Friday. Or Thursday. Or Thursday. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm Savannah. <laughs> I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. One day I'm going to figure out something to say consistently. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. I can at least get the day right. I mean, it's Saturday for us, but it's Thursday for you guys. Hopefully you're listening on Thursday, mm-hmm. but you're probably not. You can listen any day of the week that you'd like. We'll take lessons any day. We yeah, we will. Um, I was just trying to explain to Alicia who the Migos are. <laughs> I have no idea. Stay tuned on Patreon because I'm going to show her Migos and you're going to listen to her. <laughs> My reaction. You're going to see her reaction um, to the Migos. <laughs> nice. Oh, I have something to share. Should we share this here or Patreon? No, let's share it here. Okay. It's about Patreon. Okay. See, it's a trade-off. It's it a trade-off, is trade-off because I don't know who this rap group is, but Savannah sent me a text <laughs> when she was preparing, you know, setting up our Patreon site and said, oh, I did a cute thing with our audio video for the outtakes and it has a VHS tape on it. And then when I went to the Patreon page and looked at it, it was delightful. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It was delightful because it was not, in fact, a VHS tape. It was a cassette tape in a Walkman, and I thought, but just in the window part. So those of, you know, all us old. I didn't look at it very closely and I just thought it was a VHS <laughs> tape. And I was like, yeah, that works. <laughs> it's cute. I mean, it still works because yeah. it is just an audio. No, it actually works better but as yes, a Walkman than it true. does as a VHS true. tape. I just thought... God, I'm old. <laughs> I have to explain to this 20-something what Sorry. a cassette tape is. I know what a cassette tape is. I just didn't know what it looked like. <laughs> I mean, I know what a cassette tape looks like. I just feel like I didn't notice the difference. That's I wasn't fabulous. looking, okay? I was busy. <laughs> Listen. Listen, Linda. Listen, Linda. It's fine. It was wonderful. It made my day. It was, it was funny. the highlight of my day. It was good, yeah. Even though it also made me feel old, it was hilarious. I loved it. Well, so I thought I'd share. There we go. Thank you to everybody that joined our Patreon. Yes, thank you. You guys are awesome. And stay tuned because, again, like I said, I'm going to show Alicia the Migos, so you'll have that to look forward to. This week, I don't think we have any upfront business. Nope. So, yeah, I think we can jump right in. Sounds good. We have another Florida case today. This was not listener recommended. This was Savannah recommended. I wanted to, so I did it. (laughs) This case tends to kind of get forgotten about because it was really close to the Casey Anthony trial. Mm, And it happened in the same county. And it happened in the same courtroom as the Casey Anthony trial. So um, we will talk at the end of the episode about how the two are kind of connected in my in my opinion okay but throughout the episode i want you alicia and you as the listeners to keep a really open mind i am going to try and tell this tale as neutrally as possible i am going to try and be switzerland because a lot of the coverage of this case is biased one way or the other okay and if we want to at the end i can tell you my opinion but not until the very end you have to listen to it Well, I mean, we usually try to do that, except in extreme cases. Right. So that makes sense. 
I just want you to be able to form your own opinion as we go through this. I also hope that this is a case that people haven't heard of before because I hadn't heard of it and it's fun. I have not and I love to form enough opinions. So uh, yeah, we're really <laughs> we're really opinionated people. I think it's fun when we do cases people haven't heard of. So I like doing that. So let's uh, go to bright and sunny Orlando, Florida, which is where I will be tomorrow. James Robert Ward, who we will call Bob, was a self-made millionaire. He made his wealth in land development and real estate. And he and his family had it made. I mean, they had more money than anybody needs. Like, rich, rich. They had multiple homes across the country. And the home that's in question in today's case is, like, the piece de resistance. It's, like, the holy grail. It's this beautiful estate in Isleworth, which in Orlando is a big deal. It's a very exclusive community. It's most known for being the community that Tiger Woods had his famous car accident in, where Uh, he was found to be having his affair kind of thing. Yes. There are so many rich and famous people that live there. I think Shaq has a house there. I heard that, but didn't fact check it. So, you know, don't take me to the bank on that one. But Yeah. But we get the idea. Right. So they had a beautiful... 8,800 square foot. I'm just going to call it a mansion. It was a mansion. Yeah. I mean, it had an elevator, so it was... I think you can classify yeah, it as a mansion. As a mansion. Um, they had their home there. They had a private plane, which I don't know if they chartered or if they owned it, but they regularly took private flights. They had horses. The girls were in college at, like, big colleges. They were living it up. Okay. Bob had been married to his wife, Diane, for quite a long time, and they had two beautiful daughters, Sarah and Mallory, who were both athletes in college. Growing up, the girls were very close with their father, and one of their daughters had bonded with their mother over horses. Like, they were a really tight-knit family. Mm -hmm. Everything was perfect. Until it wasn't. Until the Great Recession. (laughs) So, yep. A lot of you know, I'm sure, that in 2008, we had a lovely little real estate market crash. And as I mentioned, uh, Bob and Diane had a lot of their money and a lot of their investments in real estate and land development and all of that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was not good for them, of course. Yeah. The wealthy's loss was uh, people like myself's gain because that's Indeed. when I, my husband and I could afford to buy our first house because of the recession (laughs) so we're you know sorry bob sorry bob unfortunately bob sat his family down and explained to them that things were probably going to change a little bit his company had filed for bankruptcy and um then it was announced that bob and diane were named in a lawsuit Mm. so basically what had happened was (laughs) what happened was Bob's company was called Land Resource, and it filed for bankruptcy about a year before the the incident, we'll call it. He was being sued by an insurance company that accused him of taking $20 million or more than $20 million from the sale of a lot of subdivisions that he was developing. The buildings were in Tennessee, or where he was building was in Tennessee, and this was all in 2007. The insurance company had issued bonds for the subdivision to be built, and Ward was supposed to be using the money to improve the subdivision or build it. I'm not sure exactly. Okay. But instead, they alleged that he used the money to pay off his personal debts 
and went on a spending spree. And that's when they are allegedly saying that he bought this 8,800 square foot mansion in Isleworth with this money. They say that he allegedly they say that he paid off loans of nearly two and a half million dollars for two houses in Georgia, um, bought a house, another house in Georgia, which was a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar home in Georgia, and that he purchased several vehicles, including a one hundred and forty thousand Mercedes Benz sedan. I I just (laughs) a lot of money. So again, um, this lawsuit eventually gets dropped because of the kerfuffle. But um, <laughs> I love that word so much. You know, you know what other word I've been liking a lot recently? Hullabaloo. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've noticed that. I love that word. Yeah. It's goofy. We should bring back funny, silly words like kerfuffle and hullabaloo. Yes. Anyway. I agree. Anyway, so that's kind of where they were. That's what they were dealing with. They were going through a bankruptcy case. They were dealing with this lawsuit and Diane was about to be deposed. That means that they were going to take her deposition. And a deposition is basically asking her questions under oath for a very loosey-goosey definition. Yeah. And they can then take those answers to a trial as evidence. Yes. So like I said, she was going to be deposed soon. Um, and as they got closer and more involved in this lawsuit, Diane's daughters noticed a big change in her. She was increasingly distraught over the prospect of losing their privileged lifestyle that she had grown accustomed to. And despite Bob's optimism that they would land on her feet, she was really struggling with it. She relied heavily on prescription drugs and alcohol, particularly on wine, and she would mix the two. According to Sarah and Mallory, she sometimes got violent when she got drunk. At one point, she threw a suitcase at one of her daughters, um, and she turned into a completely different person when she was intoxicated. It's, uh, this is not a, Go ahead. never mind. I shouldn't say it. Just, I, just no. between us squirrel friends. Listen, I say this having lived, as a child, I lived in a trailer park. <laughs> so I feel like... I feel like it's okay for me to say it, but my brain immediately went to, it sounds like she's preparing to lose all the money (laughs) and to live in a trailer park. Sounds like she'll fit right in. So the girls were, they were off at college, Mm -hmm. living it up. Like I said, they were both college athletes. One of them played squash. I don't know what the other one did. I'm sorry. Of course they did. Right. (laughs) Squash. Yeah. And... Um, one night, a 911 operator got the following phone call. Take a, take a listen. See? I just shot my wife. You just what? I just shot my wife. Where's your wife? She's right here on the floor. We sent, we sent somebody at 5277 Iowa Country Club Drive. Okay, what's going on there? I just shot my wife. You just shot your wife? I shot my wife, yes, please. Since my other. Where is she breathing? No, she's dead. You know that for sure. I think so, yes. Okay, sir, where where is the weapon? It's in the nightstand next to the bed in the master bedroom. And I'll be glad to meet the officer officer that's on for. Where is your wife, sir? She's in the floor in the master bedroom. How old is he? Born in 1954. Okay, you're sure they're not breathing or? She's dead. She's done. I'm sorry. 
what in the world? So he's so, I mean, like, he has COPD and GERD, so his voice is very gravelly. Well, so, yeah. No, that's not the part that gets me. I know. I'm just explaining. The part that gets me, I mean, some of it's the accent, but it's his tone and mm-hmm. inflection was like, right. Mama said, <laughs> life is like a box of chocolates. Well, they lived in Atlanta. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I know. But it's the combination of the accent right. coupled with like, it's just so right. Like he was very calm, calm, like calm, but like direct. I that's wild. Yeah, and a lot of people had a lot of problems with that. And yeah, um, now allegedly, I couldn't find anything to back this up, but Bob's daughter Sarah, I'm pretty sure it was Sarah, said that originally Bob accidentally called four one one and not nine one one, and so when he got the non emergency line. He there he had a very normal reaction. He was much more yeah. So okay, fran- not frantic, but because he's not a frantic guy, he's a very yeah. you know. But he had a more quote unquote normal reaction, upset, a, yeah. upset yeah. reaction. And then by the time that they were like, okay, you called the wrong number, we need to redirect you, and he got to nine one one. He had calmed down, right? So again, I couldn't confirm that, but gotcha. it does track for me. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. Regardless, police arrive on scene um, and they do, in fact, find a deceased Diane Ward and a Magnum gun sitting on the nightstand. She had been shot in the face one time. Now, the police on the scene, again, they like he said, he met them out on the porch and they noted how calm he was the whole time. And this is something that they would continue to see over the next few years of this case. He calmly explained that Diane was in the master bedroom. Well, it's kind of weird. He, like, told them it was an accident, and then he eventually, like, because you know how these things are, they it's not always the same story right away when you process everything. Yes. But eventually what he says is that, and this is, once he says this story, he sticks to it. This is it. He calmly explained to the officers that Diane was in the master bedroom on the floor and that there was nobody else in the home. They took him away in handcuffs because they said that his story wasn't matching up. Um, At first, he said that he shot her over the 911 call, and now he was saying that it was an accident. He explained that he walked into their bedroom to find Diane on his side of the bed, standing up, heavily intoxicated, with his gun in her hand. He would later recall that he knew he had a split second to get the gun away from her before she shot herself or him. And so he took his moment of opportunity, and in the process, the gun went off, shooting Diane in the face and killing her. So the police were upset because, not upset, but like they, they, very upset, with very you, upset. Um, they were saying that his story didn't match. So they arrested, not arrested, but they took him into police custody mm-hmm. because he said he shot her. And then now he's saying it was an accident and like it was just right, kind of weird. So when he gets into police custody, several things kind of happen. At first, he vaguely talks with them, reiterating that it was an accident and kind of reiterating their story, his story, but he doesn't, does not give a lot of details. And I'll give my opinion as to why, but we'll, okay. They ran tests on his skin um, because he had some red marks and some liquid on the back of his shirt. At one point, he asks the officer who's taking the swabs if it was wine or blood. And she says, it might be wine. I think it's wine. It's really pink. They tested his hands for gunshot residue, 
etc etc and some people say that he behaves really callously other people say that he's in shock it's kind of up for interpretation how you want to think about it he tells the officers he says i'm trying like kind of semi quote him because i think it's important that you kind of understand his tone he's like i'm gonna have to do some damage control with the children like my main concern is is mallory and sarah so yeah and then he says, and I think we need to get a lawyer. We need to get my lawyer in here. Like, you know, this was a horrible accident, but we need to get my lawyer in here. Basically. I mean, yeah. Okay. Right. And I think the reason that he's so vague is because this is a wealthy, wealthy man. <laughs> wealthy people know to shut up and to talk to with their attorneys first. They're not yeah. going to be super, you know, and they, they know. He, yeah. And he doesn't want to come across as uncooperative and right. make himself look guilty. But at exactly. the same time, he's not going to just spill his guts. And Right. Yeah. And he told them what happened. And he, of course, they're listening to him on a camera and he calls his family, a couple different people to kind of fill them in and tell them. And at one point he tells somebody like, I need you to go take care of the dogs because I'm not going to be able to go home. Like. They're not yeah. going to they're not going to let me go home. I need you to go take care of our pets. Like, could you go yeah. pop by there? Whatever. Talking to his sister and he tells them all it was a horrible, tragic accident. It was an accident. Like he never once changes it. He calls his sister. His He says, I don't know how I'm going to tell the girls. And his sister, the girl's aunt, ultimately tells the children, the children, they're in their 20s. But yeah. When they first heard, at least one of the ward daughters thought that the crime may have been committed by one of her father's competitors thinking that these are unprecedented business times for them. They don't really know what's going on. Did somebody come in and shoot mom because of, like, bankruptcy? Like, what's going on? She never in a million years would have thought that her father was involved in the death of her mother. So the police get a search warrant on the home, and they begin. At the same time, um, Bob calls his attorney, which is actually his bankruptcy attorney, but that's who he calls first, which... I mean, yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, I if I had some regular attorney, that would be probably my first go-to right, of get like you. who do you recommend? Who right. do you know that's a good attorney? Right. And I I work with some bankruptcy cases and I'll, they 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 touch elbows with these really big other attorneys, so, you know, yeah. makes sense. So he's talking with his attorney, the police get the search warrant on the home and they they start and they were in the home for a long time. I heard reports of several weeks, and during that time, they allegedly did some interesting things in the home. Allegedly. These have not been proven in a court of law. Okay. Time stamped. The investigators or police or whoever, the crime scene, whoever was in the house, rented porn on their television. What? Yep. They stole jewelry thousands of dollars of jewelry they stole purses they stole shoes they also stole cash from the home so the daughters say they're like we can't prove this because nobody's gonna like we can't prove it but my mom kept up to ten thousand dollars in cash with her she traveled a lot it was a convenience thing rather than dealing with banks she always had a ton like way too much they said we don't understand why she keeps so much cash it's not necessary it's stupid it's not safe they, yeah. they know all of that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. Their mom kept upwards yeah. of $10,000 in her purse at all times. Like, she had that much cash with her. Oh, my God. And that was gone. So, like, we know they stole so much stuff. Like, we had the jewelry appraised. So, 
We went through with their insurance company. We told them what was missing. Like, we know that stuff was stolen. Wow. But they didn't care, really. I mean, that's not really what they care about right now. They took a hammer to their grill outside. They trashed the house. They broke the elevator. Like, this house was destroyed. <laughs> and they said that they did it all in the name of looking for drugs in the home, but there was no indication to support um, that there were any drugs involved in the case other than the drugs, the prescription drugs that we that Diane was prescribed and was was abusing. So I don't really know why they would do that. But um, again, allegedly, they got back to the home a few weeks later and it was trashed. The thing that frustrated me the most <laughs> was that they wouldn't let their animals be released. So they had four dogs, a cat, and a parrot in this house. Okay. And at one point, they were like, hey, the the girls were trying to come home from college. They were stuck. They hadn't gotten to Orlando yet. And they were like, hey, we have a friend who's coming to pick up the dogs. And they were like, no, they can't be released to you. So they had all of these. Why? I Are don't you scared? Know. There's. I don't know. You scared they put drugs in the dog? In the dog? <laughs> I don't know. So they wouldn't let the dogs or the animals be released to their friend. They wouldn't let them be released to the family. The The friend was able to, like, put eyes on the dog through the garage, I guess. So who's taking care of these dogs? I guess the investigators. I don't know. And again, this is alleged because I'm hearing all of this from, I, I believe that it's Sarah. Okay. One the of the daughters. They look really similar. So, it you know, anyway. It's one of the daughters. One of the daughters. So, and again, wasn't proven. I'm just, yeah, I'm just telling you what I heard. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't really get brought up in the trial because it, they didn't find any substantial evidence that really would have pointed to anything worthwhile of them saying, like, well, it wasn't, didn't matter because the investigation was horrible. It, you didn't find any drugs in the dog's butt. Right. There were no drugs in the dog's butt. <laughs> what they did find was stuff that they already knew, which was that Diane had been drinking heavily and mm-hmm. there was a broken glass and there was wine. There were a bunch of empty wine bottles and we already knew that. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thoughts, feelings while I get some water? I don't know. This is wild. Now, we have a long legal battle ahead. So let's get into the evidence presented by the prosecution because they have decided they are going to charge Bob with the murder of his wife. I figured. They don't believe his story that it was an accident. They think they shot that he shot her because of her deposition coming up. They thought that for some reason... She was going to be a liability for this case. And um, they also speculated that he was going to benefit from her death via a life insurance policy. Mm, Okay. The prosecution relied heavily on Bob's words during the 911 call, his calm demeanor in police custody, and um, the fact that there was some evidence that could have potentially pointed to a fight prior to her being shot. There were wine stains, broken glass, and the prosecution alleged that the wine glass had been thrown at Diane by Bob in a fit of rage. The defense brings some tangible evidence to the table, looking at the fingerprints on the gun and looking at the gunshot residue. So, like I said, they ran testing on his hands. There was Mm -hmm. no gunshot residue on Bob's hands at all. The only fingerprints that were remotely on the trigger were Diane's, and Bob's fingerprints were only on the barrel of the gun. 
which would match with a story of him wrestling the gun away from her and accidentally being shot in the kerfuffle. Yeah. He placed the gun at the bedside table, holding it by the barrel, which would explain his fingerprints there. That is, that's what the defense yeah. says. Both of his daughters testified coming to his aid, saying their father would never hurt their mother, along with a myriad of other witnesses and experts over, you know, the trial. Right. In 2011, the jury took 12 hours to deliberate over two days, requesting forms like transcripts, other, you know, various things from the case. They yeah. wanted at some point they asked for an unloaded version of the gun. And they came back with a guilty verdict, convicting Bob Ward of second degree murder with a potential life sentence. Wow. Yeah. Now, he does appeal, and it takes a while, but eventually he does get somewhere with the judge overturning his case with the basis of improper counsel and incompetent attorneys. Because of this, he was allowed to go home with his daughters briefly. The prosecution, however, insisted on retrying him for his wife's death. They are determined that he shot her. I'm at a loss. Okay. We'll talk about, I, I think we'll talk about why at the end. You know. Okay. His defense attorneys this time focused on the amount of drugs and alcohol in Diane's system at the time of the crime, the fact that the gunshot residue was, again, not on Bob's hands but on Diane's, and a myriad of other things. I like that word today, myriad. Myriad. At the end, the jury believed that he accidentally killed his wife but still found him guilty of the lesser charge of manslaughter. That's more what I expected. Yes. Now, things are about to get spicier. Oh, boy. Prior to his sentencing hearing, his attorneys pushed for him to be sentenced to time served, considering that he had already served six years in jail. They yeah. cited the fact that he was getting up there in age and he had a bunch of health issues, and they were hoping that the judge would sentence him to either the shortest possible sentence, which was 124.4 months, which I think is like 10 years. Okay. Or they were really hoping that he would be able to use his time served. Yeah. For a manslaughter charge. Yeah. In the process of waiting on the sentencing, the family hired an estate professional to help them move their mother's belongings out of one of their Atlanta homes, which also fascinating job. Like when I say estate professional, I mean, this woman's entire job was like taking dead people's things and like helping people sort through sentimental value and like mm -hmm. sort through their stuff. Yeah. It's a cool job. It would be a very interesting job. Be very emotional, I think, but it would be good. Yeah. So... It had been several years at this point, almost nine years, I think, since their mom's death, and they, they hired this woman to help them process and move through everything. In Diane's belongings, this estate professional found a suicide note, allegedly a suicide note. I'm going to read it to you so you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, okay. granted, the note was in their Atlanta home, not in Orlando. Yeah. They don't know for sure when it was written. But the girls believe that this proves their mother's intentions, as they think it was written around the same time period of her death. And they have several handwriting experts prove that, yes, Diane wrote this. It's on Diane's stationery. It says yeah. Diane Ward at the top. But they looked at a ton of handwriting samples. Because this is a Florida case and I have access to the Florida docket, I mean, everybody does. It's public record. I went through and I looked and I looked at what the handwriting expert looked at i went down a rabbit hole it was really interesting but it was clearly her writing mm -hmm. and the note reads dear mallory and sarah please know how much i love you i don't know how it happened for me to end up like this 
I want you to have wonderful lives, and I know that I will always watch out for you both. Take care of daddy. I love you more than you will ever know. Take care of the dogs. They will need you. I mean, that's a suicide note. Yeah. That's a suicide note. That's sad. Mm-hmm. I got nothing. Yeah. That's just sad. Yeah. So they entered this into evidence, hoping that it would matter when the sentencing time came. Because like mm-hmm. I said, the jury had already convicted him of manslaughter, but it, they were awaiting sentencing. Yeah. Diane's family is still coming to Bob Ward's defense after two of his convictions. Her sister, Paula, testified that Bob could... They were trying to trying to get the judge to be like, yes, you can go stay at home while you await sentencing rather than going back to jail. Right. They were like, he's not a flight risk. He's never been a flight risk. And she says, not only can he come stay with me at my home in Camden County, Georgia, I will, I will verify that he will stay with me, but I will also put my house up for collateral because at this point in time, he's now broke. Like, he yeah. doesn't have much money, according to his attorneys. The prosecution doesn't believe that. He says, I think the question of the day is, what's he actually worth? What corporations does he actually control? Who knows? Your Honor, we're asking you to deny their request. Well, he can't control many organizations from jail, but whatever. Not directly, anyway. So uh, the judge did not let him go home. And one of the prosecuting attorneys on the case, I think it was an associate. I don't think it was, like, the prosecuting attorney. But he was fired because he was caught sending inappropriate texts to one of the ward daughters. Oh, Lord. Now, I didn't look super far into this, but I don't think that it went both ways. It wasn't like that. I think that they were talking about something completely different, and he said, you're just saying that to see me naked or something like that. And it was a whole thing, and he did get fired because of that. <laughs> because why would you do that, you idiot? Um, But again, didn't get a chance to look too far into it i (laughs) okay i nobody wants to hear that tangent yeah not yeah i just (laughs) i was just saying that and then you said that um anyway the judge came back with sentencing and bob ward was sentenced to 30 years in prison for manslaughter and his wife's killing in june of 2018 The judge also ordered for Ward to reimburse the state for the cost of his incarceration, ruling that he pay $50 per day in restitution, which is a total of $547,500, excluding leap days. Excluding leap days. He will get credit for the six years he's already served in his 30-year sentence. The judge declined the request to release him from the Orange County Jail on bond while he appeals his manslaughter conviction. And the judge said, quote, he has now been convicted twice of killing his wife and has little to lose by fleeing. That's what she called it. That's what she said. This so, is wild. I don't know what to think of this. Right. Let's well, let's talk about it. So I tried to present the case as neutral, but as I'm reading it, I'm realizing that it does kind of sound biased in the sense that it sounds like I don't think he shot her intentionally. And I'll go on record. I don't think he did. I don't think that he murdered his wife. I think that it was an accident. I think he's telling the truth. Well, I mean, how else would you explain that the only... Right. For right. me, it's the gun stuff. Like, right. I get that you would question if he did it intentionally and that he might look like he has motive, but how... Right. 
would he have put her finger on the trigger and only his handprint is on right. the thing and he has no gun residue? I don't know. That doesn't. Right. And I'm not an expert, though. The so. the family says that he, first of all, there there was no life insurance policy. So there was oh. nothing to gain. It was That was a thing that they assumed. Um, but the life insurance policy hadn't been getting paid. So it had been canceled because they were going bankrupt. Yeah. Um, there wasn't anything there. And uh, the daughters say, well, Diane didn't know anything about the business. So her being deposed really wasn't going to make or break anything. Mm. So uh, they also said, I've heard them say a couple in a couple different interviews that like their dad wasn't super concerned. Like, yeah, he knew they were going to be broke, but he didn't. He knew they were going to be fine. They were going to be happy. Like it wasn't going to matter. It wasn't bothering him. It was bothering Diane. In my opinion, this case is a combination of a couple things. I mentioned at the beginning that it got tried in the same court as Casey Anthony, pretty close yep. to Casey Anthony. And this case may have had a different outcome if it had been in a different time and place because I, I think people were concerned, especially the jury was concerned about giving a not guilty verdict after Casey Anthony was given a not guilty verdict and seeing how the public reacted to that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. You know, it was also a really highly publicized case at the time, and they originally were trying to paint the family out as really spoiled, as, you know, this rich family, this rich man shot his wife, and it it was a trial by media first before he actually yeah. was tried. And so I think that after Casey Anthony, they were a little bit concerned about rendering a verdict of not guilty. Now, I am not, I was not on the jury. I'm not going to pretend to know what the jurors thought. Just know that that is my objective opinion. I don't disagree with your opinion, honestly. Because I, yeah. what, what would be the point? Like, I don't know. People were put off by his behavior. They were put off by the fact that he was like joking around with his daughters in the courtroom that he. Oh, well, that's just a stupid thing to do. Well, it was. I mean, he was just being a dad. Like, I yeah. don't No, I understand. Like, he's just being. But you are on trial. So. Right. Well, maybe they... don't be yourself too much. I don't even know if it was necessarily in the courtroom. I, I know that like my the story that comes to mind is they were talking to him in jail and they were telling him like we put money in your account and the one of the daughters says so you can buy bras and stuff. And he says, "Oh yeah, you know I'll love that." Like Yeah. <laughs> like they're making jokes with him and, you know, it just really stands out to me that nobody in his in, in Diane's family thinks that he shot her. Oh, absolutely. Everybody thinks that it was an accident except yeah. for even if his juries. even if his daughters were on his side and believed he, him right. innocent, but her family was like, uh, "We don't know because they've had these problems." Right. We don't know about this. I might lean towards. Well, I don't know, but right. from the sound of it, right. And so now that we're talking about opinions, I'll talk about. I you know I'm always scared to share my opinion, but I'll share my opinion on this. In in hindsight, after the fact, the daughters have done interviews and they, um, especially in this 2018 conviction, I think it I think it was Mallory that had an outburst in the courtroom screaming like she tried to kill my dad and now my dad's going to jail for killing her. Like this is ridiculous because 
they think that it could have been going that direction that she was that intoxicated she was i mean she had taken a lethal dose of her antidepressants and drank four bottles of wine that night they found four empty bottles of wine yeah and so the daughters were basically like she was gonna die anyway and now we're also losing our father in this process and a lot of people were very turned off by their phrasing of that of her saying like well she was gonna die anyway and now we're losing our dad and like they were very put off. I feel like people who get put off by stuff like that have never actually experienced or lived with um any of those things. They've never they they've never right. really experienced what it's like to live with somebody who is in active addiction right. and acting out and and how toxic it can be and how it wears you down. Right. And regardless, I I think it may just be a personality thing. And like, I, when she said it, it didn't phase me at all. I was just like, oh no, I get what you're saying. Now you're losing your dad. And yeah, you know, to me, I don't think that that's being cold. I think it's just being They've accepted the reality of it is what it sounds like to me. They accepted the reality that their mom was likely Mm -hmm. trying to kill herself with, with the pills and alcohol, not necessarily the gun. Maybe she... Maybe she was going to use the gun or maybe she picked up the gun because she was mad at him and like, I'll take you out with me. Who knows? We we don't but- know. And and that is upsetting. And so I was fascinated by this case because I read the headline, Florida millionaire kills wife. <laughs> like, And yeah. I was like, well, tell me more. And then I just fell down this rabbit hole and looking at these like yeah. handwriting experts and all these people. And I, yeah, you know, he's at Zephyr Hills Correctional Facility, still serving time. It's interesting for sure. I, I, yeah, I hate this case. I like it, but it, it's just. I mean, it's interesting. I'm always interested in cases that. Right. I don't think I would have been so upset by the manslaughter conviction if it didn't have such a heavy sentence on it when I truly do think that it was an accident. Um, After he served six years, I was thinking like, okay, well, if you don't feel comfortable saying not guilty say guilty and then he's served six years so like he's done or almost done right if you count time served and while that still sucks if indeed it was an accident like what's done is done and right it it also sucks because the family wasn't pushing for the prosecution to go after him they didn't want yeah. this the prosecution yeah. decided this um and again i think a lot of it has to do with the the time and the circumstances and you know of perception of, of- the public this area at that time which i understand after i've done a lot of research on the casey anthony trial you won't catch us talking about it we're not going to cover it (laughs) other than to say it happened other than to say (laughs) it happened and this was the outcome um because we don't want to get sued but i can totally see how they wouldn't want to Mm -hmm. be caught in a situation similar i can't get over the the house like the house being trashed trash yeah. is one thing if you're searching for stuff, but stuff being stolen mm-hmm. and the pornography thing is too much for me. <laughs> Even one of the daughters Dude. was just like, I mean, I guess you're there late at night killing time, but like, don't do it on our TV. Did you like, do that in front of the dogs? Did you do it in front of the parrot? <laughs> like, can you imagine if, oh no, if they came in and the parrot started like, 
This isn't a beach, Bow it's a bathtub. Chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> the, the marriage is going, this isn't a beach, it's a bathtub. <laughs> Not a lifeguard. <laughs> Help, I'm stuck. <laughs> no. No. Uh. <laughs> terrible okay (laughs) oh my gosh so that is the bob ward story um i you know have your opinions yeah i have mine and i i I, this is the other thing i wanted to say i know that this has kind of been rambly at the end but it's a lot of opinions i tried so hard to find unbiased sources because it was either Mm -hmm. he killed his wife in cold blood or He's completely innocent. Yeah. He did nothing. It's like you can't find something in between. So please know that I did my best to find and read both sides of everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, my I don't know if I'm going to have all my sources listed because I went through a lot. I have a lot of them listed, but I went through a lot. And there's a couple that I'm not going to list because I didn't use anything from them because they were so biased one way or the other. Yeah. But... Just know that I tried to give it to you as plainly as possible. Fair. So whatever your opinion is after this, you can probably you can probably go on that. And share. Let us yes. know. Um, so let's do this. I think the emoji should be a parrot. Yeah. Regardless of what you think. I just think that it should be a parrot. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Yeah. Um, but if you want to let us know what you think, feel free. You can do it in comments. You can message us. You can do whatever. You want to hear yep. some of the tangents that Alicia cut out about her talking to a door-to-door salesman? You can check <laughs> us out on Patreon. It is this episode is coming out halfway through February, which means we are gearing up for our February live stream. Woot woot on Patreon. On Patreon. So if you're interested in that, check us out there. Yeah, and if you haven't already, we always appreciate the reviews ratings yes. etc on apple and et cetera, spotify et cetera. especially because those are the two big guys yes it helps us oh, a lot i wanted to say and this is not in self-promotion we had a hate comment a couple weeks ago on a youtube video and they called our music sexy and i think they meant it in like a derogatory <laughs> way but i yeah. am taking that in full confidence we have very sexy music so sexy to sexy for my meals. They didn't. In in fairness, though, that person did not realize that we aren't like a news podcast. We're a right. podcast podcast. So once they were corrected by a very nice, and if you're listening, if you're the person who yes. <laughs> came to our defense on that, like shout out to you. That warmed our yeah, hearts. Yeah, so you don't much. have a name on your. You don't have a name on your YouTube primary like account, or we would have shouted you out, but. You know, it's just a series of letters and numbers, so we didn't do that. Because you did it in a very, like, specific way without, like, name-calling or being overly hateful. Yeah, thank you for that. And we appreciate that. But, yeah, that person who initially was, like, hating on us, they changed their tune very quickly once they were corrected and they understood the difference that we are not a news podcast. Yeah. We, We do present facts, but we are going to give commentary and such right and thanks for calling our music sexy for those of you who don't know who haven't been listening for a long time i'm sure we've talked about it it took alicia and i forever to pick music (laughs) and so finding it i was so happy and thank you for calling it sexy i think it's pretty sexy too 
Schmexy. Schmexy. I think that that is all. We hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Till next time. Till next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.